millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun. It's our weekly podcast featuring in-depth interviews with experts from AccuWeather and from around the world. Bringing you behind-the-scenes information, stories, and news on the weather, climate change, and the outdoors. Covering topics from the worlds of science, sports, and space. It's all the information you need to weatherproof your life. And now, here's the host of Everything Under the Sun, AccuWeather meteorologist, Dean DeVore. Friends, welcome in. The fall series is underway here on Everything Under the Sun for 2022, as it's good to welcome you in. Even though the calendar, at least for meteorologists, has flipped to fall with the beginning of September, we still have lots of summer weather. Amazing and really dangerous and deadly heat building out west. And as school gets going in the greater Los Angeles area, some of the hottest temperatures that we've ever seen in the lower parts of California and over to Death Valley here ahead could be some real dangerous situations. We'll talk about that at the end of the program with the weather for the upcoming weekend and week beyond segment. But up first, in our first Rays of Focus segments, we're going to talk about sports and fall sports with baseball winding down and our situation that we're getting ready for college football as this podcast drops on this Thursday. I'm getting ready for Penn State and Purdue with the season opener in West Lafayette. Friends, sit back and relax. It's time to talk about everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. As many of you know, my sports passion is high. It's part of my life. I've been announcing for Penn State football in Beaver Stadium now for 23 seasons as the voice of Beaver Stadium. I've been around Penn State football. This is my 39th football season on campus, starting as a student and then continuing until today. So that's a big part of my life. College football gets going in earnest this week. We had a few week zero games last weekend, but we've got a lot going on in the college football world. Starts as this podcast drops on this Thursday, leading in to the Labor Day weekend with Penn State and Purdue, and then lots of other big games. We'll talk about the college football season and some of the concerns I have about college football going forward in terms of the way things are evolving. Uh, But up first, uh, a baseball focus with two gentlemen who will not only talk about that college football in the second segment, but certainly have a handle on the baseball situation. Two dear friends of mine. One goes back over 33, 34, 35 years, Sweeney Murdy, who is the reporter for the Yankees on WFAN in New York on a Lifelong childhood dream realized when he got to do play-by-play for John Sterling, filled in for him back on his birthday. And our friend Tom Ackerman, who is sports director at KMOX, and certainly a friend of this program, has been on to talk about sports and other things before. Let's sit down. This is going to be a good one with my friends Sweeney and Tom. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Well, getting into this interview has been a very difficult task because uh, three radio people in the same room who are deeply affectionate towards one another. I go back with Sweeney 40 years, basically. 34. When did you come to Penn State? 1988. 34 years or so. And and Mr. Ackerman and I have been uh, friends now for 10 plus, right? Has I been kidding? Yeah, something like years? that. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, uh, Tom, you know, like you, Sweeney, you know, Tom and I, I think, uh, are really uh, been brought up in terms of uh, uh, the same kind of specific mindset and and had uh, families that were very involved and, and certainly supportive. And so a lot of the things I, I consider... Tom, like a brother from a different mother, because, uh, you know, our, our fathers especially instilled some of the same values on us. And we've talked about that uh, together on this podcast before. But honestly, having Sweeney, I got to tell this story. So the first time I met Sweeney Murdy, I think, is this the first time we met when you came up to us there at uh, the high school? Football yeah, game? I like I have a pretty vivid memory of that of that uh, night. I, it was I had just well, let me backtrack a little bit. OK, I came to 
Penn State from Middletown, Pennsylvania. And Middletown right. has a, in its high school, has a working radio station, FM radio station, WMSS. So I'd been doing radio since I was in seventh grade. I've been doing sports since I was in like eighth, ninth grade. And that was what led me to Penn State to uh, work on a broadcasting career. Well, the person that was in charge of WMSS and helped me uh, get started in my career was a guy named John Wilsbach. And he used to work at WSBA in New York with Scott yeah. Gee. Now, Scott at this time was at WRSC in State College doing sports talk with Phil Gross. And so as I was about to become a freshman, John calls Scott and says, hey, listen, I got this kid who's, I've been working with. Right. You have a place for him up there. So I got into WRSC before like WPSU or anything like that. I got to work over there. So one of the first assignments was covering a State College high school football game on a Friday night. So. I go, I've never, I've never met anybody else there. This first game I'm covering in that area, I get to, this is before cell phones. This is 1988. Nobody has a cell phone, right? So I'm supposed to call in score updates. <laughs> and you're supposed to just find a phone, right? Usually you find a pay phone or something. Right, right. And there's a phone in the press box. I'm like, okay, great. Well, I don't know the hierarchy of any of this, right? So <laughs> WMAJ, where right. Dean was working with Steve Jones, they were broadcasting the state high football game. Back then, we had two radio stations, AM stations, that were doing sports. And they yeah. both had their own separate staffs. The only thing that was networked was men's basketball and football. Everything else, there, uh, for like Penn State women's basketball, there were two competing broadcasts, wrestling two competing broadcasts. So there was this kind of rivalry between yeah. the two stations. So pick very it up from there, so. Sweeney, right? Yeah, very, very much. So. I mean, it's competitive, right? And like, yeah. as you get older, you understand, like, you know, you can coexist, you're friends, but this <laughs> is, you know, we're all trying, you know, I mean, we're young and we're trying to like find our way. And, you know, there's, you know, it, it can get contentious. So what happened? Like I didn't, and I didn't know, I guess I called in my first score update, nothing happened, but at halftime, there was some sort of issue with your broadcast where you needed the phone. And it happened to be your phone that I was right. picking up and calling my, my reports into. So I pick up the phone. I do say hi, Lee, so-and-so at halftime, blah, blah, blah. Sweeney Murdy, 1390 AM WRSC. And I hear the background. Well, it was either you or Jonesy. I think it was Jonesy. says, well, you're using WMAJ's phone line, Sweeney. <laughs> I had never met any guy. I know. I, that had to be that had to be Jones. I'll believe. I you. was. I think. And so, like now, I'm scared. You know right. what? Okay, like you're going to get fired and never work in the business again. I'm 18. Like this is my first assignment. Like yep. I've got two issues. One. I've got to do my job and call the reports. Now I don't know how I'm going to do that. And two, right. I picked off the person over here. Like I right. And at well, that time we knew Steve was on his ascent to be the voice of yeah. football and stuff. So you knew that, right? So I find from somebody they said the only other phone is a pay phone that's inside the high school, which is you know it's a, yeah, like a five minute away. walk away. So I'm going to wait for the quarter to end, walk five minutes away, come back. Like I no chance right so i guess somewhere in that halftime break i came up i i said something to you and you're like yeah listen i don't know man that's steve jones he's the sports director <laughs> go talk to him he's washing his hands of me he wants nothing to do with me right so i go over and i very politely say uh mr jones um i'm sweeney murdy i just got hired at wrsc and i'm sorry i didn't know that was your phone but i'm supposed to call in score updates two more times. And the only other phones inside the high school, I don't know where it is. I said, would you mind if I just use your phone and whenever you're not using it? And Steve just kind of hung his head, realized that he probably chewed out a kid for no reason. I said, yeah, you seem like a good kid. And, you know, I sure, whatever you need. And at the end of the night, when I called him my voice, he gave me some real nice compliments and pointers and feedback. Yeah. That sounds yeah. like Jonesy, right? So that was really cool. And like, that was my first time I had met either of you guys. And I've like, now I've been on both of your well, shows all you, these years later. You may, you make it sound like I was just young too. I mean, I just yeah. was starting out too, but look at this. Sweeney Murdy has gone on to become order for the Yankees. Just did play by play, right? You did play by play this year. I got a game. Yeah. I got to fly the space shuttle once. play by play. I mean, Ackerman Ackerman's already gotten some of this stuff. He's, he's been, you know, I've been a little jealous of him over the last few years, some of his pearls that he's gotten. But my friend, you got to do Yankees play by play on radio. That's that's pretty cool. 
John Sterling has uh, taken some more days off this summer, uh, not traveled as much. So, uh, you know, and he's in his early 80s still. So, you know, he's earned the right to take some days off. And so we're looking for people to fill in. And I just asked him, I said, listen, I'm, I know that ship has sailed for me, like as a, as a career path, you know, like I'm 52. I'm not getting a play-by-play job anywhere, right. but I'm, I'm a professional broadcaster and I work on our broadcast on WFAN. I said, listen, I, I know you got other guys lining up for this, and but if you've got an opportunity to give me a game somewhere, you know, like I, I'd appreciate a chance to do it. So I got a chance to do on my birthday. On they your birthday. Yes. Yeah. They just gave me the date and I said, yeah, sure. Yeah. It was on my birthday and I got to do the Yankees and Astros in Houston and it was two to one. There were two scoring plays. So I didn't get to go into a whole lot of craziness yeah. calling game, but I got to do it. I said to the people, I said, listen, I, you know, I've, I've done a lot of work before games and after games. I've been on the radio and on TV plenty, but doing an actual game is is something different. Like I got to fly the space shuttle and my only job was to bring it back safely. (laughs) Or countdown to the launch, right? In the pregame show, you know? Yeah, it was always, I I started my career doing pre and post game show. And and the fun is in the play-by-play. A man who does a lot of play-by-play, Tom Ackerman, you know, it was funny. Sweeney and I have talked a lot here and I, I introduced you guys, but you guys have already met, right? Uh, We have met, you know, yeah. We've met, but, uh, you know, in covering Cards Yankees, which is rare. Um, yeah. Actually, I, I was uh, I was at Bush Stadium for this past series. I did not uh, I didn't report on it too much. I was down in the clubhouse briefly. I was mostly in the seats, kind of entertaining some people, brought my daughter, et cetera. Um, I actually was just at Yankee Stadium on my birthday, July 15th. I, I was in town for another reason, just to visit some people and I can't stay away. So I went to Yankees Red Sox <laughs> and I, I texted a couple of people in the Cardinals front office joking that I was doing some scouting. Little did I know I really was. I was scouting Jordan <laughs> Montgomery. Yeah, he started that game. I actually thought that Nathan Evaldi was going to be on the Cardinals radar. So I was watching Evaldi pretty closely for the Red Sox. I was really impressed with Monty. And, and as it turns out, the Cardinals made the trade for Jordan Montgomery, but anyway, yeah, I, uh, he and I have, have seen each other and have talked, but I'd say the biggest thing for me was when I first heard him, because I actually was a stringer on WFAN covering the NFL. So I, I was covering the Rams. It's funny that you mentioned going to, to for a five minute walk to get a phone. There were some times where I was very concerned covering the Rams because five minutes could in, in those days meant like two or three touchdowns. Right. They were, yeah, they yeah, were right. scoring at will. I used to call into WFAN and they'd be like, Ackerman again? Yeah. Well, we got to pay this guy double. I'd be breaking in on Giants games and whatever. Uh, but it, it was a lot of fun. Um, but anyway, I, when I heard Sweeney for the first time, I was really impressed. And I thought, you know, he sounds relatable. Like he sounds like a friend of mine and he actually is doing exactly what I do. He's a reporter for the Yankees. I'm a reporter for, you know, the, the team with the most world series behind the Yankees and the Cardinals. And so I've kept an eye on what he's done through the years. And I've had a lot of fun. I think he and I have similar stories. I mean, we've been able to, to be alongside teams at their greatest. We've been alongside the teams at some of their rough moments um that's the life of a reporter but yeah it's been a good run we all have similar stories and and i think that's why tom and 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 i have gelled and and i know sweeney and i have gelled over the years and obviously with sweeney and i it's our love for penn state football and tom's love for indiana football and we will be talking some college football in our second segment this segment is kind of to talk mostly about baseball i wanted to get your thoughts on as we enter the final month of the regular season Oh, my goodness. Uh, Tom's team is on a tear. They've just been uh, lighting it up here over the last several weeks, and they've got a nice, comfortable lead, and things are spicy in New York City. So, uh, Sweeney, I'm going to start with you and the American League side of the coin. What uh, your thoughts now going into the last month of the regular season and as we get ready for October baseball as well? 
Yeah, I mean, listen, the Yankees have been in a pretty horrendous skid here for the last several weeks, and I'm not sure exactly what date people are going to end up listening to this, but, you know, they they look like they'd pulled out of this with a, a little bit of starting to. They won five in a row, and then they lose a couple games in Oakland to the worst team in the league. Uh, and they're, you know, they're, they're back on the skids again here. The offense just had, had the, the worst month they could possibly think of in August after really tearing it up for the first few months. So that's something that needs to turn around here. The the thing that I'm, I'm having a hard time wondering, like, I think the fear right now in New York is, are the Yankees just going to really totally fully collapse? You know, they had a double digit lead. Uh, it's, you know, as we talk right now, it's down to seven games. They still have six left with Tampa Bay head to head. It's really going to go away. Um, I still have a hard time believing they let the whole thing slip away uh, because I think, you know, they've been playing their worst. And I think at some point it's got to, it's got to pull out. I think some of these guys do have to start to hit, although it's hard to see it happening when they're not doing, you know, it's hard. You know, you always want to think, but you kind of have to react to what you're actually watching. Um, But the other part to me is like, I don't think there's a great team chasing them. You know, I, I think a lot of Yankees fans, kind of go back and say, you know, the Yankees in 78, they erased a 14 and a half game lead against the Red Sox and the Bucky Dent home run. And, you know, this collapse, it was, it was a great collapse by the Red Sox and it's happening to the Yankees now, but that Yankees team was a great team, you know, and, and I don't see a great team chasing, I mean, it's kind of good teams, you know, Tampa Bay, Toronto, but I, I don't see a great team chasing them. I really have a hard time believing that it's going to go away. Um, it's hard to see the Yankees, beating Houston right now because the Astros have been better than them this year. And uh, Houston holds home field advantage at this point. Uh, That's if they get to the ALCS, but a lot can happen. You know, listen, I mean, we've, we've all covered sports enough times. Like it's, it's so hard to predict. I hate making predictions. I just kind of like to react to what I'm seeing and say, okay, well, how can they get out of this right now? What are some of the things that have to happen? I'm not predicting they're going to happen because I can't predict anything. It's dumb, right? So I kind of like lining up things and kind of taking an even look at things and saying, okay, this is where they are now. Are they really this good or are they really this bad? And what kind of things have to happen over the course of the next short period of time? And then we just all kind of wait and see together. Uh, Guardians, are they going to hold on in the AL Central or is are the Twins um... – going to make that tough is that going to be that uh, a division that uh, goes down to the wire yeah i gotta look at i mean it's really close i, I gotta think it does i haven't seen their head-to-heads and see what they have left in the in september and what the schedules look like there but you know that's that's and that's kind of a one that's a real pennant race because those you know the wild cards are pretty much being taken up by the east and seattle out west now right. There can be some jockeying because Tampa and Toronto play each other a lot. That's the other thing that's going to save the Yankees. Is those two teams play each other a lot. Okay. One of them is going to lose, you know, at one particular point in time. So that could help. But I got to think that the wild card is really coming down to, you know, I, I got to think that the central really comes down to win the division. And that's the only team that's getting in. So I, I think that's kind of an old fashioned pennant race. Let's switch over to Tom, talk about the National League, where his Cardinals are sitting with a comfortable six or so game lead. Uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday. This drops Sweeney and uh, friends here uh, Thursday morning is our intent to drop it. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's that lead uh, right now as we record this. The Mets are up three on the Braves, uh, 10 clear of the Phillies in the east and out west. Uh, the Dodgers are 19 and a half in front of the Padres. So, uh, Certainly, Tom, it seems like the Cardinals seven and three in their last 10 that we record this are they're on a tear and have been playing well. And there was a little bit of a shakiness in the middle of the season, if I remember. Um, it's all that game day forecast that I have to do at 740 Central Time on KMOX. Uh, yeah. But uh, talk me through the Cardinals situation. And what do you think about the National League? Well, in the National League, you have the Dodgers look dominating. Uh, they they are an excellent baseball team. The New York Mets have the best one-two punch in their rotation, and Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom. Uh, they have somehow been able to hold off a very, very good Braves team for a long time. Uh, the Braves have been knocking on the door but haven't been able to overtake them. Cardinals uh, helped out the Mets. They're taking two out of three this past weekend here in St. Louis. And then, you know, you have the wild card situation. So the Cardinals, as you mentioned, lead by six. They're the third best division team. They're seven games behind the Mets for that 
first round buy, and that seems too far away. The Dodgers and Mets are going to take those, or will the Braves be able to take the East? So the, the wild card is interesting. You have the Braves and the Phillies and the Padres, but the Brewers are right there, kind of putting a little heat on the Padres. And the Padres losing to Tis for the rest of the year. Pitching's been very shaky, especially the back end. And I think that's part of the Yankees issue, actually, is you know the back end of that bullpen's not been not been great. And that, that has to be good for San Diego, I think, to succeed. I thought that the Cardinals really turned the corner at the trade deadline, and two things happened. Um, They did not deal for Juan Soto, and I think that a lot of players in that clubhouse took a breath and said, okay, well, this is the team we're going to have. But the biggest thing is they stabilized their rotation. They went and got Jose Quintana, and they got Jordan Montgomery. And you've seen this a million times. After the trade deadline, a team sometimes can be galvanized by the fact that nobody, Harrison Bader, granted, uh, was traded to the Yankees, but everybody was able to stay together. And they said, you know what? This is our team. So they believe in this group. Let's go. And the Cardinals didn't have to give up any major prospects, which were rumored to be in the Soto uh, deal. So they just took off. But the biggest thing of all was Yadier Molina walked in the room that same day. And he had been out for a while. He'd been nursing a knee injury. He's one of the greatest catchers in the history of the game. And you can look at his stats all day long, and he hasn't had a hit in a while, and uh, it does not matter. Uh, When he is in that lineup, when he is in that clubhouse, he has the trust of everybody. The pitching staff absolutely adores him. He calls games. They never shake him off. He has an incredible presence. He still can throw runners out. He still frames and, and defends as better as well as anybody behind home plate. He's an outstanding receiver. He is an absolute game changer. And they took off when Yadier Molina walked in the room, as well as the stabilization of the rotation. Uh, the Cardinals are a really good baseball team. Um, and the thing that's powering them, there's a mixture of the sentimentality. You know, it's it's very sentimental right now when you have. Albert Pujols playing his last season, Yachty in his last season. Last time you're going to see Adam Wainwright and Yachty or Molina together. And on top of that, you have, oh, by the way, the front runner for the MVP in the National League and Paul Goldschmidt playing out of his mind and Nolan Arenado playing at an all-world level. These five players right now, you'll never see this in the history of the Cardinals where you have this kind of situation, I think. And I think everyone recognizes that. So there's a lot of energy around that. You have a lot of young players that have been added to that mix as well. There's just a, you know, I've covered a lot of Cardinals teams and I've seen teams fold. I've also covered teams where they weren't considered maybe the top two or three in the the national league, but they, when October came, they flipped on a switch and they just had that edge and that look, this team has that look to me. They, They are playing games. They're winning games that they otherwise would have collapsed. They win games late. Uh, the other night, you know, they dominated, but most of these games, they've just found a way to get the job done. It's a very good baseball team. Can I tell you one of the things that I think is, is kind of working for the Cardinals that isn't working for the Yankees is some of the names you just mentioned. I mean, Goldschmidt and Arenado, right? That's for the Yankees version. That's judge and Stanton, you know, Stanton's been out for a month and is just only now getting back in and, and trying to pick up after an all-star first half. So they're not quite matching what Goldschmidt and Arenado are doing. And Pujols is probably doing what the Yankees hope Josh Donaldson would do a former MVP. Who's, you know, who's finding some power in big sports, spots and leadership. Now, you know, Pujols has a relationship with that city and that team that's different than Donaldson just coming in. Um, And Donaldson got a couple of big hits early, but he hasn't really taken off. So I think that's really key in those two lineups. And I can tell you a little something about Jordan Montgomery. As upset as he was at getting traded, not really understanding why the Yankees traded him, I think that's working for him in St. Louis. I think there was a little bit of that, okay, I'm going to show everybody I'm, you know, I'm not the guy that gets traded from a playoff team. I'm the guy that helps the team get to the playoffs. I think a lot, I know he got knocked around his last time after some really good starts, but he's, I think he's got a little, little bit of, bit of that edge that hits a player every once in a while, especially when he's been traded for the very first time. He's exactly what they need. And, you know, that sweep of the Yankees was not as, you know, it was closer than, than it looked. I mean, you yeah. saw the games. I mean, there were some, there were some battles in there, including that Saturday game was very, very yeah, that special. Saturday game that was, was fun. I watched it. It was really game. fun. That, that, was, yeah, that was the was biggest game. crowd that Bush stadium three has yep. ever had. 
Yeah. Uh, bigger than the World Series, bigger than the All-Star game. And Jordan Montgomery started that Saturday night game. Wow. The Cardinals, when Montgomery came out for his warm-up tosses, played 50 cent. Uh, they knew what they were doing. Everyone knows 50 cents a Yankee fan. They had this, it was this kind of their little nod to him and to the Yankee fans in the crowd. It was a hyped up atmosphere. He comes up, throws zeros. Uh, that was a, a big day. That was a big day that kind of propelled this team forward. But they have been on a tear here. Cardinals fans will take it day by day. I mean, they yeah. kind of wait for the other shoe to drop. Like, what else is going to happen to this team? But right now, they are firing on all cylinders. And if they get Jack Flaherty back even close to what he used to be, you know, that, that could take them over the edge. Swinney, Tom, we're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to switch over to some college football. We could go on for hours, the three of us, uh, but my producers always give me a time limit. So we got to take a break. And when we come back, college football as one sport comes to kind of the beginning of the end. Another sport that all three of us love dearly is just about to begin. We'll talk that pigskin coming up when everything under the sun continues from AccuWeather.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Whether you're at home getting ready for work, packing the kids' lunch, or commuting, listen to AccuWeather Daily. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and you'll get the top trending weather story of the day every day. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. I'm meteorologist Dean DeVore, your host on our first episode of the fall series for 2022 as we start meteorological fall here. And autumn is a special time for myself. I try not to do too much sports on this podcast, but every once in a while, and certainly in this time of year, I, I like to talk to some of my friends about sports. I'm joined by two of my dear friends, Sweeney Murdy, who is um, works with WFAN. He's the Yankees beat reporter, uh, has done play-by-play this year, uh, has been a fixture in New York media and throughout the media. We got our start together in State College Radio way back when. We won't say how old we are because we don't feel that old. Uh, and Tom Ackermans, who's a newer friend, uh, KMOX sports director, and has been on this show a few times before, is joining me and. We both love, we all three love our college football. And I want to talk a little bit about that as we get uh, set for, we're recording this on the Tuesday. We're going to drop this on the Thursday morning prior to the Nittany Lions opening game, which comes Thursday night in West Lafayette when they take on the Boilermakers of Purdue. So we can have some predictions here and then you can hear how good or bad we are on those. Um, uh, it's exciting to me. We had the week zero games last week, that uh, shocking end to uh, another Nebraska tough loss for the Cornhusker fans to see their team lose a double digit lead and Northwestern fans and, uh, you know, are rejoicing again for another great tough out win. And uh, here we're off to a start and um, Tom Ackerman, who is a proud IU grad and there's some trash texting going on on certain football Saturdays between Mr. Ackerman and me, just all in good fun. And then Mr. Murdy and I are about numbered him. Sweeney, of course, and I both went to Penn State and uh, certainly I'm uh, stuck around to do some things. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited because of what college football has meant to me in my life and just that tradition. But this is a whole new landscape. Maybe maybe do we want to start there? Or do you want to start with the good stuff first, like the fun stuff and the games and stuff? Or do we talk about where is college football heading? 
with NIL and all this stuff. It's, 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 I, I, uh, was on campus for the first time in uh, this past weekend. I did seven volleyball matches in two days. It's a wonder I can still talk here today. But uh, it, it, it's let's start with it. it. The NIL stuff, which is name, image, likeness. This is where college athletes on the Division One level now can monetize outside the university, basically their name, image, and likeness. In other words, they can advertise or they can be paid for their influencing, which has become a big thing on uh, internet stuff like TikTok and Snapchat and, and YouTube and those things. So all that money now is funneling into these Division One athletes. Football, obviously, but even here at Penn State Wrestling, the wrestlers are signing six digit nil deals Uh, it's just i don't know can can you know all to me sweeney and tom all the things that the ncaa tried to do coming out of the 80s into the 90s which was to tamp down cheating tamp down stockpiling tamp down you know taking funds from other places and you know, using it to kind of pad certain programs and other programs couldn't do that. It seems to me that feels like that's all out the window now. And now it's like, who can buy a national championship? I mean, I'm honestly getting that jaded about this stuff. Is that, am I concerned about that rightly or wrongly? I I think we all knew that there's so much money in the sport that at some point we were going to get to this. I mean, at how many years do you think you could have survived if the players weren't finally going to say, listen, we're the product, right? I mean, it happens in professional sports and it took them a long time and they still fight some of those battles, but uh, you know, you can't keep, you can't keep pumping up these national championship games and, and, showing everybody how much money is out there and keep it from the players who are actually providing the product. So there is an avenue to do that with NIL. Um, and I, I don't begrudge the players any of that, right? No. I mean, they earned this, but you're right. It does have some sort of trickle down. Um, yeah. I, I don't know where it's going. You know, um, I, I'm glad that the players have a voice now and have some part of it. Um, I, I'm, I'm not skilled enough or, or, you know, knowledgeable enough to know exactly where this is headed. If it's going to turn the sports world, the college sports world that we know on its ear. And, but I'm kind of like you in that we still have a romantic vision of what a Saturday in the fall is supposed right. to look like. Right. And, I, I think there is a way to still make it look like that, even with all the business side happening around it. All right. And and you know what? I, I did myself a disservice. NIL is was the second step. To me, the first step was this transfer portal where yeah. where, OK, Tom, I don't like the fact that I'm sitting on the bench. Sorry, I'm done. I'm going over here. I spent one year in your program. I ate your free food. Uh, I got my books. I got the year of classes. Now I'm going to go somewhere else. And that was the first push down the slope. And then this NIL on top of that. So are we at a point now where both those steps, that one, two punch is, is really concerning to you, Tom? Um, It's somewhat concerning, but I mean, like Sweeney, I will say that there is so much money in TV right now. I mean, look at this TV deal, the Big well, Ten. The Big Ten, just, what, eight bill? The Big Ten, period, not Big Ten. I mean, this is, you know, come on. I mean, we're, we're, we're putting college football on all day on Saturday, sometimes on Friday, sometimes on Thursday, all, all throughout the week now. At some point, it seems like you can catch a college football game. But Saturday, there's so much money. The there's a lot of money to go around at the games themselves and the stadiums are full. Yeah. I mean, the players are the product and football is the highest revenue sport period. Now in college basketball, that's also a concern transfer portals. Players are going in and out of the transfer portal and then you're recruiting that and it's the wild west. I mean, you're, you're trying to find out uh, who's going where and, and it's not regulated whatsoever. No, I mean, it's, it's just crazy, but, but in college football, the players have to be able to earn something. I mean, they're driving revenue for the programs. The coaches are making 
double figure millions and they're able to bounce per year. Yeah. They're able to bounce from program to program. So look, the NIL is an opportunity for players to earn. And I don't want to be a phony. I mean, like Indiana university, I think it's good for us. Now I, it's funny that I hear Penn state guys say, well, you know, how can we, we can't win a national championship or how do you win a national championship? Like we, we just want to win seven, eight games. That'd be great. Right. Uh, right. You know, uh, I think that it's, I think it's good for the fact that, you know, maybe that kid from Indianapolis that Ohio state has been raiding for years, sees an opportunity to stay home and endorse a product or falls in love with the fact that Indiana university has all of these opportunities for him to do just that. And perhaps some of those players start to come our way. I, I do think that as an IU football fan, I'm resigned to the fact that it's not our number one sport. Basketball is the sport where we're considered to be and expected to be um, a top level elite program. Football does well. Uh, football is a lot of fun. Football, I think, for for all intents and purposes, is an absolute blast and it's a great product. So that's the way that I look at it overall. And I think, you know, look, the the rules are the rules. I mean, if it's accepted that you are able to do this, well, then hire the people on your staff that uh, can make it best and understand the landscape and, and get after it. I mean, that's just, there's just so much money right now in, in college football that it was impossible to just keep going the way they were going. Yeah, I, I, look, I, I understand that and I agree with that. Uh, I just wonder if we've not pushed it too far to the other side. And mm-hmm. um, look, the three of us know the reality of the radio business right now, which has some struggles. Now, there's other things that are, you know, there's such this diversification or maybe it's uh, just everything's coming together. And so I think, you know, locally, owning your own rights to do things. And I think that's what the big 10 now has done. You know, they've made, made the advance to the Western coast. I don't think we're done yet. I think Notre Dame still kind of is that linchpin. If Notre Dame comes to the big 10 now, I think you see even a few more teams from Florida come into the big 10 and then some of the ACC gets split up into the sec. And, you know, we may go from the power five to the power three. Um, I think we're we're still going to see a few more moves here in the next year or two. Uh, but the viability of the sport, I agree, is there. Um, I think all these schools, especially the, the biggest schools, are doing a great job cultivating their younger fans through this social media with these athletes. So the model seems to be there. So there are some ways where the health of this looks good. You know, you just wonder what the game's going to look like because health continues to be concerned and we keep changing rules to protect the health of the athletes. And, and it changes the game a bit. Um, Dean, I'm not know. sure anybody cares. I mean, right. They just want to be there and enjoy it. The yeah. I mean, this is it's college football, NFL. It's all the most watched programs. Right. And as long as people are watching, I don't think any of these machinations of this conference doing this and the transfer portal doing this, I don't, I don't think it matters to people. They still like the game and the game itself. Okay. It's different. And you don't get to necessarily grow with the same group of, you know, sophomores, juniors, seniors from year to year to year and say, this is what you're building towards. Right. right. When we were, when we were growing up with Penn state together, it was like a four year cycle, you know, you get right, you know, and you'd, and you'd build up to that. But now it could be a flash in the pan year where you just, everything comes together and then you may struggle two, three, like Indiana in 2020 (laughs) or, or you just reload like Alabama. Alabama, You you run off, you know, you're the 1930s Yankees where you just like the the transfer portal works to our advantage in Indiana in that IU just can't compete with Ohio state year to year. They have a much bigger budget Indiana always plays Ohio State seemingly tough every year, but I, I've watched a, a, a hundred of these games, it seems like. And in the second half, Ohio State's second and third stringers are going up against Indiana's second and third stringers who, because Indiana's getting tired and it's like NFL players against second and third stringers. Mm-hmm. And so the transfer portal works to Indiana's advantage 
They lose Mike Penix. Sorry to bring up that name. Uh, that was the mm-hmm. this the, yeah. for those who can't see the outstretched uh, hands over the pylon. Um, yeah. But that, that he, was so a he, dig at me and Sweeney. That was a play yeah. where was a I had to I had a touchdown calls. So I had to just a little bit. But yeah. so Penix is no longer with us. So the transfer portal, they go and get Connor Bazelak from Missouri. And he's likely to be the starter Friday when they open against Illinois. So they are able to fix that by adding an efficient SEC quarterback to the mix to just try to, you know, get things back to normal somewhat. And perhaps they can do the same uh, as they continue to show off a little bit on TV where, you know, they, they make a ton of money. Can I tell you, like Tom's mentioned this about the transfer portal a couple of times. I think it's, I I I think there's a lot of ways where it's a good thing because if you like using your example, like Ohio state could recruit, you know, say four quarterbacks and they're all like legit five-star, you know, high school star quarterbacks, but only one is going to play for them. Right. So, and and you go in there with the idea of, okay, like every athlete is probably confident that they're going to be the one who, who, you know, beats the other guy out. So you got these other guys who are going to sit there and say, we're going to be the starting quarterback. We can win this job. And after year one, they don't, after year two, they don't. Well, like now you're messing with their future, right? Like they went to Ohio state to be a quarterback and maybe go play in the NFL. And if all you're doing is running the practice team or it's playing second string, because these other guys are, are still there, like that's messing with your future. You should have every right to get out of there. And I understand it's gone haywire and coaches are kind of, you know, running in there from other schools and using that to their advantage. But for the kid who goes there and, loses the job he shouldn't lose his future opportunities because of it uh dean you brought up something about college football that is a concern to me and this is the only thing i think that could bring down football is health and safety if kids start to and there was a little wave of that for a little while if kids start to turn away from football as a sport if Uh, they start to play other sports growing up and now you have less numbers less talent it's not as exciting and people aren't tuning in or aren't supporting programs like they did. I don't see that anytime soon, but that is the issue definitely is I, if less and less kids are playing the game, then you got a problem. I think it's starting because I can't tell you how many parents flat out, my kid's never going to play football. Right. And, um, you know, and then I also wonder with, with the way people are protective of, of things, are we going to say, is there is this a justifiable cost uh, with the health and safety and and on, on all levels? But, I, you know, Sweeney's right, too. As long as people are watching and there's money being thrown at that, that may get delayed for a while. But, you know, as all these things are moving quickly, you know, I, I don't know that someday we may be looking back and say, wow, that that changed in a flash again. And now uh, we've got problems. But. It'll be interesting. I think uh, the key to me is figuring out how to reward, but try to keep it as equitable as possible. And I think we're still, you know, the, I think we're just in that period where the pendulum is, is swinging so far to the one side that us traditionalists in some ways are, are having trouble with it. And I think hopefully in the next year or two, this starts to come back to the middle. Because, I mean, the, the project is great. The atmospheres are amazing. I think consistently, you know, you've got more people involved in the college situation now because there's more teams that have chances. And, and the NFL, you know, you have a lot of haves and have nots. And uh, that equity that I used to see in the NFL doesn't seem to be there as much as it was, say, 10 years ago. And it's just my thought process of looking at it. So, But I think there's more, you know, even... Appalachian State and Michigan and, and you know, those those FCS schools that 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 come up and play and, and bump off the FBS schools. So but you're right. Uh, it is still an entertaining product and the atmosphere is still very good. I mean, I went yeah. to the Iron Bowl this past season and Auburn, I think, came in with a six and five record and there was a lot of heat on Brian Harson. And I was all I cared about is I was in the crowd. I had a couple of cocktails. I went out with some, <laughs> with some friends, my wife and some yeah. friends. And we had an absolute blast and they played four overtimes and it was insane. And Alabama won the game. And I thought, gosh, and you didn't have a pair in the place, world, right? Can't imagine this place rooting. of Auburn yeah. was actually ranked or like, you know, top 10. I mean, it was nuts. And I, so I try to make it a habit myself to travel. I still owe you a trip to happy yes, Valley, but I, I make it a, a habit to go to as many college football, great atmospheres as I can and check off the bucket list because 
I love the players and I'm fascinated with coaches and how they do it. But I really, I go and watch kind of for the atmosphere. Like I, I want to see that stadium uh, with that team visiting that stadium. Uh, that's sort of what I, when I, my attraction to college football is actually just that like history of programs and matchups. Well, and, and like Tom, to your, to your point earlier about this, like, listen, we, we both watch a lot of baseball. We love going to baseball games, but they can never match what football's got either on the pro or college level, because there's a premium on the number of games. It's all compacted into the weekend when people are off, right? You don't have to worry about, you know, for the most part, you don't have to worry about staying except, out. Or going except out we're starting on a Thursday weekend. night this year, you know, you got yeah, some of the, but, know, but it's not like the full slate. Like you can, you don't have to watch those. You can no. get your fill. I mean, if you're, I understand like your team is playing, but you can get your fill of football on Saturdays and Sundays and then go to work on Monday and I have to worry about any of this stuff. They package it so well. Um, it's baseball can't compete with that. And like the premium on the number of games, you know, 12 games, 17 games, whatever it's going to be. Like that's, you know, you, you wrap everything into that. And I, I think that that's always going to be there. Yeah. Maybe we'll lose some athletes here or there, but I think the, this is where I also think the NIL comes back in now, you, you know, maybe you're willing to take more of a risk with your body, maybe, you know, smart or not smart, but there's money in that pot right there. You're, you know, now you're, now there's a risk reward factor for you. Yeah. And I think people are still going to just keep playing the sport. I mean, you can lose a player, but then if you uh, have a player that you've lost, you can actually make that player up in the transfer portal. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely different. It's going to take getting used to, but uh, I'm looking forward to this season. And this, you know, I was looking forward to this conversation for about a week when I set it up and it was everything I thought it would be. Sweeney and Tom, thank you so much for being with me and kind of getting a, a little bow on the baseball season and a preview of college football and some thoughts there. It was a great spending time with both of you. Absolute pleasure. If you'd like to follow these two amazing broadcasters on Twitter, Sweeney's uh, Twitter feed is Yankees, W-F-A-N, Yankees, Y-A-N-K-E-E-S, W-F-A-N. And then Mr. Ackerman's is... His name and his frequency, Ackerman, A-C-K-E-R-M-A-N, 1120. That's the AM frequency for KMOX. So um, follow those folks, and uh, we'll have links to uh, some of their other social media pages in the notes section. Friends, when we come back, we'll take a look at the weather for the upcoming weekend and week beyond Labor Day. You know, it used to be the end of summer. Now, for some, it's really kind of the beginning of fall, but summer is going to be... Uh, paying a big price of big heat and problematic heat out west. We'll talk about that when we talk about the weather for the upcoming weekend and week beyond. Up next, this is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Whether you're at home getting ready for work, packing the kids' lunch, or commuting, listen to AccuWeather Daily. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and you'll get the top trending weather story of the day every day. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. This is episode one of our fall series. Again, our thanks to Sweeney Murdy and Todd Ackerman to talk about as we wrap up baseball in the next month or two and we get the college football season started. We are getting the weekend started as we drop this a little earlier than we normally do, around noon on Thursday. And so as we head into the holiday weekend, a lot of places are going to have good weather. There are some concerns, though. One big concern as we head into the weather for the upcoming weekend and week beyond, the weekend provides tremendously, dangerously hot weather. Another round of um, record-breaking heat and maybe even some all-time records in jeopardy from Los Angeles up through the Intermountain West and up into the Pacific Northwest. This is a dangerous situation. We had one of these earlier in the summer, and even though we start meteorological fall, it looks like that summer heat is going to be uh, really tough, and we could have brownouts and blackouts, uh, problems with uh, folks staying healthy because of heat-borne illness, a lot of those places out there we've uh, chronicled here in these last several heat waves like this do not have the proper air conditioning that we normally expect when we deal with heat and humidity out east. So uh, definitely a situation you're going to want to keep an eye on. We hope that starts breaking down as we get into the middle of next week. Uh, probably along the eastern seaboard, the best weekend overall is going to be up in New England. 
really nice as we start the holiday weekend. Maybe towards Sunday, especially Monday, we start seeing some thunderstorm chances. Those thunderstorm chances actually come into play more Saturday into Sunday. As we look at it uh, farther south, you get into places like Pennsylvania, New York. Sunday into Monday look to be the two wettest days. I don't think much happens on Saturday in those places. Back farther west, even Saturday, a place like Pittsburgh could have a shower thunderstorm Sunday too. And Monday looks a little bit unsettled as that dryness starts to break down a little bit. The other thing we have to watch is the uh, Gulf Coast. There's going to be some tropical wave action there and shower and thunderstorm problems from the Gulf Coast all the way through Texas and up into the southeast here as we go through the weekend. Um, That's also because a front is suppressed there and kind of stays there for a while, provides a focusing mechanism, so we could see some heavy rain. I do think the concern is that that lifts up a little farther north than maybe we were expecting, so something we'll have to see. There does look like there's a front that swings through taking it from very warm and humid in the Great Lakes to start the holiday weekend and then bringing some cooler temperatures to the bear as we get into Sunday and Monday. And, friends, we are keeping an eye on the tropics now. After being dormant, it does look like there's some signs of life. Uh, There was one situation we were watching along the southern track around the Cabo Verde Islands, but that looks like uh, that uh, chance for development is less. does look like there's going to be a tropical depression that's out in the North Atlantic kind of just spinning there over the several days next week. So that's something that we'll keep an eye on as we get into the week beyond. Uh, Where is all that heat going in the West? It has to go somewhere, and that's something that we'll keep track of here on AccuWeather.com and your AccuWeather apps. Friends, we are so proud to try to weatherproof your life every day, thanks to our hundreds of team members across the globe that work so hard to keep you the best uh, informed about the weather. You know you have our new... Premium Plus alerts that you can get while signing up to our AccuWeather app and then getting the Premium Plus plan. We get even more advanced warnings on situations like severe weather or even some advanced notice of um, good weather situations, something we're trying to do there. AccuWeather Now and our AccuWeather.com platform and our AccuWeather Network. And, of course, our our AccuWeather website and that app that can keep you informed minute by minute with the latest minute cast if there's rain in your area and just how hot and sticky it could feel or how pleasant it could feel. That's uh, something that you'll be able to tell in the AccuWeather app. For our executive producers, Ken Prell and Andrew Rahm, my guests, Sweeney Murdy and Tom Ackerman. I'm Dean DeVore. I'm getting ready to enjoy a Penn State football game this evening as this Um, recording drops. This podcast drops. It looks like good weather for that. It'll be in the lowest 80s, maybe at the start near 80 with a little bit of stickiness, but it should be dry in West Lafayette. And if you've got a college football team playing for the first time this weekend, I wish you and your team the best of luck for all of us with AccuWeather. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Episode two of our fall series coming up next Friday. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review Everything Under the Sun on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And of course, if you have an idea for a future podcast, just email us at accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com.